Welcome to Fantasy or Reality, the GPP. Whatever road you took to get here doesn't matter. What matters is you're here. My hope is that we all can help one another in this journey. Hey everyone, welcome back to Fantasy or Reality, the GPP. I'm Steve, I'm your host. My last day to bet was 5221. Today we have a wonderful guest. I'm very happy he reached out and wanted to share his story. A great man named Mike Bernos. I'm really happy to have him on here. I spoke with him a little while back. He has a great story. Great man. Really excited to hear what he has to tell us about his uh, recovery, what he's done to uh, stay bet free for over six years. And so anyways, so I, like I said, in a lot of my interviews, I start off by telling everyone why therapy is important to me. I, you know, I sat down with my therapist the first time and the first thing he asked me was, Steve, who are you? So Mike, who are you? Well, Stephen, thank you for having me. I am a, first of all, I'm 70 years old and um, I have worked as a journalist most of my life in corporate communications. And um, currently I am a writer and uh, a musician. And um, I find that uh, I'm a much better writer and musician now that I don't have the monkey on my back of gambling. Who I am is so much more and so more and so much more in touch with myself since I don't have the diversion, distraction, and the, uh, the angst of, uh, of gambling. So, you know, I've written several books. Uh, I write a lot of music. I produce music. I have a music catalog under the name of Ample Angst. Uh, and I find that uh, music and writing is a great way of getting in touch with myself and uh, really being honest with myself. And, and one of the ways that I, I, I came to deal with my gambling uh, was to, to keep a diary, which eventually evolved into a book called Diary of a Compulsive Gambler, which I've rewritten under the title of uh, What Dostoevsky Didn't Know About Gambling. And of course, Dostoevsky was one of the greatest writers of the 20th, uh, excuse me, of the modern era, living in the uh, 18th century. And uh, he had a gambling addiction, uh, primarily with roulette. And as a matter of fact, he wrote one of his great uh, novels, The Gambler, as a way to pay his gambling debts. So that's extremely ironic. And um, I, I just feel as though that uh, through even though uh, I, I went through a lot of battles with gambling over, over, over the years, I took my first bet when I, when I was 15 at the racetrack in New Orleans Fairgrounds. Um, it's, I, can't say that I, I, would, I can't say that I would be the person I am today if I had not gone through those struggles because um, like the adage says, that which does not defeat us makes us stronger. Uh, in fact, that has been true with me. Yeah, I, I, I agree 100%. I feel like I couldn't be where I am today also if I hadn't gone through the struggles with drug addiction and gambling. This mindset, I feel like I've um, grown into this positive mindset where I don't beat myself up constantly, where I actually see the good things in life. No, I don't think I couldn't, I could not have come here if I hadn't gone through the struggles of my gambling addiction. A big reason why I asked that question in the beginning, uh, who are you, is because in the beginning, you know, through my addictions and everything, I really, all I could see was the fact that I was this addict. All I could see was who I was, was all this negative stuff, all this negative self-talk. I just saw myself as either a drug addict or a gambler. And like you said, once we stop this negative behavior, we stop our gambling, 
we can actually see ourselves. We can see who we are. We kind of can see glimpses while we're in it. You know, I was a musician. I mean, I still am a musician, but I didn't really play much when I gambled and when I played, I uh, was using drugs. So I think it's important for us to kind of reflect on who we are as we get through in our recovery. Um, but anyways, I know you touched on your first bet was at 15. Um, if you could, Mike, I'd love to have everyone hear your story of how you began gambling, where it originated in your life, and just go from there. My father was into racehorses. He owned horses. And uh, actually, my father was a bookmaker. And um, he was a guy who who made his living just off the uh, the big, as they say, you know, the percentages, the 10% of uh, people betting either way. And uh, my father didn't have an education. And uh, so that's the way he raised his family, he put me through college, put my sister through college. And um, it wasn't in New Orleans, where I'm from, it wasn't a nefarious uh, endeavor. I mean, it wasn't like he was tied to the mob or anything like that. It's more like it was in England where, uh, you know, people just went in and made a bet and occasionally. And uh, my dad's clients were doctors, lawyers, politicians. And so uh, there was never really a stigma with it. Um, but, um, but unfortunately, uh, you know, my father had his own issues. And even though while he wasn't a, a gambler, I mean, just the, just the highs and the lows, I think, took its toll on me, uh, you know. My dad had a good week, uh, you know, he, oh, he was on top of the world. If he had a bad week, he was depressed, angry. And um, so, um, you know, I found myself at the racetrack quite a bit and, I, and I, I made my first bet when I was 15. And unfortunately the horse won and paid $33 and claiming, uh, claim, uh, excuse me, gambling claimed another soul at that moment because the rush was just incredible. I mean, I went to the window, the lady gave me $33 and said, holy smoke, this is, this is you know, this is greater than, than uh, you know, uh, dating the uh, strawberry blonde in my freshman class. I mean, it was really a high. I thought, man, people talk about what sex is gonna be like. Well, this, this is even better than sex. <laughs> so, uh, and it's been that way all my life. I mean, you know, in my book, uh, what Dostoevsky doesn't didn't know about gambling. I mean, the excitement and the anticipation and the thrill that you get from gambling is 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 probably. Uh, I, I'm not being uh, silly about it. I, it's I think it's probably equally as tantamount to the you know to to uh, to sex. Um, and uh, anyway. Um, you know, so throughout my entire life, I, I was around gambling. Um, I ultimately became a journalist in the horse racing industry, and I was constantly around horses, you know, betting horses, making bets on horses, and my life never really got beyond that. I mean, I was a good journalist. I won awards for my journalism, but, you know, if they didn't have betting wins at racetracks, I wouldn't, I wouldn't have been, <laughs> I wouldn't have been covering horse racing. I, it was, uh, I could tell you a story that, um, you know, I'd cover the Kentucky Derby, uh, the Preakness, the Belmont Stakes. And um, I, I remember in 1987, I made a bet on Alice Sheba in the Preakness. He had just won the Kentucky Derby and I knew his trainer. Anyway, make a long story short, uh, um, you know, um, you know, that, that was, that was the, you know, if I won on the races, man, I was feeling good. And, uh, and my life swung on, on that pendulum, uh, you know, winning, you know, the thrills of winning and the lows of losing. 
And as you say, Stephen, I think I think wrapped up in all of that was 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 issues of my self esteem, issues of I'm not good enough, issues of not of that I was hiding. You know, I I beat myself up a lot as a as a kid and. I don't want to get into the psychology of that and my family dynamics, but whatever the reason was, I mean, I didn't have a very good self-esteem and, and, and gambling covered that up very, very nicely, very nicely. And um, so, it, you know, it wasn't until years later uh, that I, um, I finally, you know, got out of the, cause then what happened to me was that uh, God forbid the poker phenomenon came around and I found myself, you know, buried in the poker rooms and, um, you know, all the, all the sayings about, you know, the 20 questions, you have a gambling habit. Well, yeah. <laughs> you know, do you take time off from working to go gamble? Yes. <laughs> yes. I justified it, as you know, Stephen, just that you can justify this addiction in so many ways. I mean, you can just say, I mean, and, and I chronicle that in my book. I mean, all the ways that I was justifying and I mean, some were pretty convincing of that shit, you know, this, excuse me, this is a really good, you know, I mean, I, this sounds compelling to me, but in hindsight, it was just, it was just all rationalization. Yeah, I agree. <clears throat> we can rationalize just about anything in our gambling addictions. I mean, I can think of a hundred times where I kept telling myself, this is the last time I'm going to stop. You know, I've already lost enough. I'm going to lose my family if I keep doing this. And what I did was when I, the way I would get my money is I would take the money from my 401k. Essentially, I'd take a, a loan or a deduction or whatever it may be. And um, after I would max a credit card out to pay it off, and I'd say, this is the last time. But uh, a day later, a week later, I'd always somehow rationalize and say, I've lost this money. I, I got to gain this back. This got, I have to replace this in some way. Or I would look at the the lineups for that day, say it was, you know, basketball, I'd, I'd see the guys playing, I'd be like, oh, this is definitely the lineup I'm going to win this on. So we can rationalize our way through anything. That's that addiction, disease, whatever we want to call it, just trying to pull us back in. So you said you started at 15 and you're 70 now. How long do you have uh, bet free? You said it was over six years, correct? Yeah, six years. Right. And uh, coincidentally, that six years is when... Um, I had a child because uh, I had a child late in life at 64. And I think that had a big, big thing to do with it. I think that uh, I didn't have much time at 64. You don't have a lot of time to make a lot of mistakes. rectify that. You got, you got to no second chances at 64. Now in that time period um, from 15 to 64, had you tried to stop? Did you realize it was a problem at any point? Uh, did you ever try to enter into recovery or just abstain? Oh, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I went to GA and uh, a number of times. And uh, I think the thing that that uh, the ultimate rationalization for me was that uh, I really don't have a problem because you know what? I'm not broke. I didn't spend my last dime. I didn't, uh, I didn't, I didn't, uh, you know, I'm not on the streets. Uh, I'm not busted. But still, I lived marginally. I mean, I always had money to pay my bills. I had always had money to do this, to do that. But, but the money is not the only cost of gambling. It's the emotional and the spiritual cost as well. And when I say spiritual, I don't mean like, you know, you, know, you, you quit going to church or anything like that. I'm not talking about that. I'm just talking about the spirit that we all have within us to, to live a full life, to yeah, live you a lose good your, life. Yeah, you lose who you are. You lose yourself. Like, uh, I, like I told you, I was a musician, um, 
I love being a father. I love, you know, working out. And um, in my addictions, I probably didn't pick my guitar up for years. I, if I did, it would be very briefly. I would go long periods without working out years. And um, I really, I mean, I was always a good provider and a good father, but I just was never present for, for those years. So yeah, I, I understand completely what you're saying. You lose your, who you are as a person, you lose that soul, like who your identity, who you really are. And um, thankfully, when you really enter into this recovery process, you can gain it back if you want to do the, the hard work of looking at yourself and why we get into what we do and, and, and how we dig ourselves out of that, you know, one day at a time. You know, it's an addiction, but, you know, the other synonym, it's an obsession, right? Mm-hmm. So, you know, in my book, and I'm not plugging my book, I'm just, right. because the book is the sum total of what I glean from all this. And, you know, we tell stories because stories hold lessons for us. You know, stories are the best way for us to learn, right? I mean, the myths of stories and are, is very powerful. And uh, so, you know, the myth that I created is about gambling is it's like, you know, she's a mistress. I, 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 I probably was very politically incorrect. And I referred to her at first as the gambling whore. <laughs> <laughs> you know, but that, but, but it's really just a mistress. And, and in fact, the word mistress uh, comes from the Latin or the French. French obviously is a romance language. So it comes from the Latin. And it means uh, power. It means uh, someone who has power over you. So when you have a mistress, you've given your power to someone. So to, in that definition, gambling is a mistress. You know, she can be beautiful and charming. You know, I looked at it this way, you know, the mistress, you go to the casino, or you, you know, look at the, you know, the games that night. And God, that mistress just looks so tempting. You know, she looks so decked out. And she, she's so exciting. And you're going to, you know, you're going to just, you know, make you feel really good. But in the morning, you know, you're, uh, you're down on your knees. You're cursing yourself. You're cursing it. You're vulnerable. And you're broke. And, uh, and, and, and that's what a mistress is. She has power over you. And she doesn't give a damn about you. Gambling doesn't give a damn about you. Yeah, I'd love to hear more about the book. Um, how did you go? You said you started by journaling and then you decided to write a book. Yeah. Do you want to tell us uh, about your book? Yeah, yeah. I, you know, the book started off as just because I'm a writer. It is a way that I uh, I could maintain my sanity because it got really scary for a while. The fact that, you know, I was gambling so much. And, you know, I just felt like, man, I'm losing touch with, with reality here. You know what I mean? And so uh, writing as you know, is a form of journaling and journaling is a form of uh, getting in touch with yourself. So I started writing and kept a diary and in and, and the diary, I was very dedicated to it and devoted to it. And so after a while, I had so many entries. I said, I'm just turning this into a book. And so I, put, I created all these little sub chapters that, you know, talk specifically about experiences I've had or specifically about the rationalizations uh, but but at the end of the day, I saw the book evolving uh, as I evolved as a person who was was realizing what it means to be human and what it means to be you know to have faults, what it means to be imperfect, what it means to to understand that none of us are perfect and it's okay to have faults and uh, and so the book became sort of a, a form of redemption for me. That's great. Um, I'm definitely gonna put a link in the show notes. So if anybody wants to go and read that, please go and buy Mike's book. 
Yeah, and I just want to make clear that I, you know, I'm not I'm not shilling my book because I, uh, you know, I'm trying to hustle anybody. No, I, no, I mean the book not. is. I think it was. I think the book is like seven ninety nine on Amazon, and um, you know, um, as I mentioned to you earlier in, in the last conversation I had with you, I probably should reduce the price because I really don't need the money, and uh, I just I guess I just put seventy nine ninety nine because it was a way of. And so most people said that that shows that you're a credible writer, you know, something that if you gave it away, you know, people would say, well, this is, you know, it's like anything, you know, you go to the stores, oh, this is cheap or this, oh, this must be worth something. So, yeah, well, you obviously put a lot of hard work into it. I mean, you yeah, should get sure. something out of it. And I think sure. it's a very relevant topic for anyone who listens to this podcast and other podcasts. I, you know, I'm definitely going to, when I get some time off from work, I'm definitely going to be reading it because I'm very interested in, in what you wrote and, um, I think you'll enjoy it. You're knowing you, sure. I think you'll enjoy it. I'm sure I will. So for the people you know, who are... It, the f- sorry, go ahead. Go ahead. No, please. There's a little delay, so my fault. Go ahead, please. <clears throat> it's okay. I was going to say, for the people on the fence that aren't sure if they've got a gambling addiction, maybe they think they're... Maybe they just think they had a bad weekend or they lost a little bit too much this time. Do you want to share any particular story that may stick out in your mind? You know, I like to share some stories here and there. So people who are on the fence you know, if they hear a similar story to maybe what they've done, maybe they may realize they have a problem, they may seek some help. So is there any um, story in particular that sticks out to you? Or maybe what was it that really got you to stop this last time? Well, I think what, like I said, what got me to stop was just realizing, I don't, you know, I have a son, and I wanted, wanted to uh, set a good example for him. And I think I had learned a lot over the years, you know, of how deceptive this disease is. And I got real with myself. I think one one of my chapters in my book is, you know, getting real with yourself and uh, and being honest with yourself. I, I think that a lot of stories, obviously, I could, I mean, I have some stories that are almost funny, but um, especially in the horse racing industry. But it, but we know addiction is not funny. Um, but yeah, I mean, um, you know, I, I tell you how crazy it is. Um, I was at the racetrack one time. And uh, I used to give a handicapping sem- seminar at the uh, Hilton Hotel in Shreveport, Louisiana. And so a lot of people would come up to me and they'd say, hey, Mike, who you really like? Because I'd give them the horse of the day, but they always thought I was holding back and had, had a couple of horses that I wouldn't tell, tell them about that I knew. Because they knew that I, I had connections with the trainers and the owners and the jockeys. And I'd say, no, no, man, it's, that's, that's what I have. So there was this, there was this, uh, there was a food and beverage manager there and he was, uh, he was Hispanic, uh, Chicano. And I liked him a lot. He used to always say, Hey, Mike, come, uh, come have buffet on me. And so it was sweet. And, uh, and one day he gave me, he gave me a hundred dollars and said, Mike, I, uh, I want to bet a show parlay with, uh, it was 10 races with all these horses. And the chances of hitting a 10 race show parlay are just, it's like hitting a lottery. So instead of going and put the money in the window and doing it, I said, oh, no, man, I'm going to pocket this $100. As you know, and this was foolish of me. The guy won nine out of nine races. He had, he had a theoretical $15,000 coming back to him, all on the last race. And I, I'm thinking, seriously, I'm thinking about, at that point, I'm saying, God, if I have a gamble again, you know, I'm thinking about, I'm thinking about going to the third floor and jumping off the window you know, saying, I can't pay. And so um, the last race, the horse he picked, I remember, Draconic's runner, I'll never forget, it's imprinted on my brain. 
it was leading, turning into the stretch. And he didn't have to win. All he had to do was finish third, dude. Finish third. My God. It's like a five-horse photo. And all he's got to do is stick his nose up and finish third. And this guy's going, oh, Jesus Christ. I mean, I would have really had to leave town, you know, go to the bank and make a loan. I mean, I was just, I was ruined. The horse finished fourth out of the money. And I thought, why do I do this to myself? Why do I do this to myself? Well, part of the reason we do it is for that exact, the adrenaline rush. Yeah. You know, it's the adrenaline. Look, gambling is just a way of pimping the brain for adrenaline. That's all it is. It has nothing. To, the money is just the is just the the pimp in which way we we pimp the adrenaline and the dopamine in our brain, and and I'd like to just segue into this, Stephen, that when you stay away from gambling long enough, the connection between the anticipation and that little tingle we're going to gambling gets lo- gets longer and more and more distant. To the point that when you even think about gambling, it doesn't do anything for you. And that's the thing we need to do is break the connection, the conditioning between the idea of gambling and the excitement it brings to us. I mean, studies have shown you can just think about gambling and get a dopamine rush. So the longer you stay away from it, the more that connection is going to dissolve and you're not going to have that anticipation. And that's where I'm at now. I, I don't even think about gambling uh, because it doesn't do anything for me anymore. It used to get me off, but it doesn't do anything for me anymore. It's a great story. I think my anxiety levels are shooting through the roof just listening to it for you. I can't even, <laughs> the relief you must have felt when that horse finished fourth. Oh my, my God. God. <laughs> if you would think right then and there, I said, I'm having nothing more to do with gambling. This is just a, a, a fool's errand, but no. I went back to it, believe me. Yeah. Uh, I was addicted to the, uh, the, the adrenaline, the, the, uh, the dopamine. You know, you and I, I think I, I had a conversation with you before, Steve, and I, I said, you know, one of the problems, the seduction, again, the, 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 the gambling mistress, she's so damn seductive. It's so damn seductive because, you know, if you played sports or if you played music, the high you get from playing music is a legitimate good high. You feel good. You've played music and you got this stuff running through your body. You feel good. But you go home, you know, you, you unwind and you go to sleep. I played baseball in college. It was a good baseball. And, you know, man, I'd get a hit, you know, win the game. I was high. And I don't realize I can get that same high by going to bet something, a football game or something. How many athletes have you known that have gone and ruined their lives with gambling? Pete Rose, for example. I mean, Arch Schlichter from the Ohio State, a number of guys have done that because it's just a thin line between the, the two. You hit a, you know, you, you hit a game-winning home run, you're high, you bet a winning team, he sinks the basket, you vicariously won. Yeah, there's so many stories of, of athletes that, you know, come out and either have had a gambling addiction or get caught gambling or get banned from the sport or one way or the other, there's... There's definitely a relation between sports and gambling and, and the high that we get from, from uh, like you said, either music or, or playing sports. But I think a lot of what we just talked about segues great into the next um, uh, segment I like to talk about, which is a, a big part of why I do this podcast is the recovery and how we get better. 
So obviously you said for these past six years, you've been bet free. Now I'd like to know what works for you, what doesn't work for you, and what do you do today for your recovery? Well, I don't think, I think, I think the uh, Sweet 16 or whatever it's called, the uh, March Madness is on. I haven't watched the game, yeah, you know, it just doesn't mean anything to me. Uh, I mean, what? I mean, I guess, I guess if I, I had a college team that I liked that, you know, I mean, I went to a small college, didn't even have a base, a basketball. So I don't have any loyalties now whatsoever. So I, I hell, I, I think I, I, you know, World Series, I haven't watched the World Series. I haven't watched, you know, the Super Bowl, I'll watch a little bit, but I just, I just, I'm just comfortable within my own skin right now. And as I said, the farther you go and the longer you, you have between your last bet, I think that the connection in your brain uh, really goes a lesson to the point that where you can get back to just feeling good within your own skin and feeling, feeling, feeling comfortable and enjoying the things that really matter to you, like playing with your kids or playing music or writing or exercising. Christ, I mean, that's been a big thing for me is exercise. You know, I walk, I walk to the Y. The Y is three miles away. I walk to the Y, work out, walk back. I mean, walking is just a great meditation. And meditation, too. I meditate. Uh, you know, I've become very mindful. And that's where my book led me, to. I realized that as I was writing the book, it wasn't so much about, sure, it was about stopping gambling, but it was developing a lifestyle that was going to allow me to take the ups and downs of life uh, stoically, you know, uh, you know, if you're in a 12 step recovery program, you read a lot about Epictetus and the, the Stoics, right? Cause they're the foundation of uh, the 12 step. Do you, um, do you attend any of the 12 step programs or do anything like, did you do any one-on-one -on -one therapy, anything like that? I've done 12 step programs most of my life. And, um, you know, um, whether it was, uh, Al-Anon because I was, uh, you know, in previous relationships, I was, uh, involved with, uh, substance abusers or gamblers anonymous but you know i've learned the basics of the 12-step program or the stoics right and uh who take life in stride you don't they don't get too high they don't get too low they don't get hijacked by excitement they don't get hijacked by fear and that's what mindfulness has taught me to just stay in the moment and not worry about what's coming next and not worry about what happened in the it's an art but it's been very helpful to me. Yeah, just living the day for sure. There's nothing else we can do. You know, looking, we can look back on what we've done in the past, but we can't dwell on it. You know, we can just learn from it and we can't worry too much about what goes on in the future. You know, it's good to make plans, but we need to live for today and, and you know, enjoy life for what we have now. Um, uh, I know you mentioned it uh, already. Obviously, you're a writer, musician, you spoke about meditation. But what outside of these 12-step programs and therapy and stuff like that, what has helped you with uh, your own mental health? What brings you joy, peace of mind? Well, I think, uh, well, obviously, <laughs> my son is six and a half years old. He's just a joy. And, you know, you have children. And he's just so much to be fun to be around. And my wife and I can, can travel quite a bit. Um, and we do. My wife is French, so we go back and forth to France. And, uh, you know... Uh, I enjoy that, but honestly, um, it's just learning to be at peace with myself. Um, you know, I've made, I, I, you know, I've got good friends. Obviously I stay away from people who are high octane, <laughs> you know, need a lot of high octane adrenaline junkies. Uh, 
you know, I stay away from people like that. I have good friends who are just really rational, reasonable, sensible people, and they become my friends. And, um, I, you know, I have, they aren't recovering, but they're just, they're just good, solid, supportive people, you know? And um, I ran into, I ran into a, uh, a dealer at the card room uh, that I knew back in, you know, six years ago. And she said, uh, asked that, uh, she said, hey, you know, she said, didn't you go to the card room? I said, yeah, a long time ago. She said, oh, she said, well, you're still not missing anything. Yeah. <laughs> Probably happy to see somebody said, made it out of there. Exactly. <laughs> right, right, right. And, you know, you watch it. You, you want the real story? Listen, look at those dealers who deal with those the unfortunate souls who are still struggling on beating their heads again. You know, gambling is a game that never ends. Think about it. It never ends. You're up, you're down, you're up, you're down. Uh, you know, you're, you're a rat chasing the cheese in the maze. You're a rat in the maze just chasing the cheese. And that's all your life is, just going around in that maze. Oh, I won today. Oh, I lost today. There's got to be better options in life. And I think some of it, you asked me how, it's just getting smart about it and saying, it just doesn't make any sense. It really doesn't. There's more, there's better things in life to do. And, you know, I suspect that once I got to the point that I, you know, there was, there was, there was, um, who is the great center for the San Antonio Duncan, right? Tim Duncan. Yeah, Tim Duncan. Tim Duncan. Yeah. Man, that guy was so cool. They used to ask him, Tim, how came that, you know, you just lost the championship. I said, hey, I've won them too. <laughs> you know, I've won them too. He was just so even keel. And, you know, that's what life is. It's just dealing with what comes to you. And, and uh, so I think the biggest thing that helped me was just, uh, I, I started meditating and I started reading stuff about how to be more mindful and God, it's been a big, big help. Now that came at the same time as me, you know, I think neuro, neurochemically in my brain, uh, you know, distancing myself from gambling. So the, 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 you know, it's all classical conditioning. It's operant conditioning. You know what I mean? You, you know that like, you know, um, you pull that lever in a slot machine and you're anticipating to, to win something, right? It's that associative learning that, you know, so if you break that, it's breaking a habit. It's breaking a habit. And the longer you go without doing that habit, the stronger the, the less that habit has control over you. Yeah, agreed. Yeah, for the longest time, I thought I was gambling just for the potential for the for the money win, you know, or, or not just the potential. I thought because I was, not for the potential, but I thought it was all about the money when I first started. Uh, at first, it was trying to win money to try to, you know, seem like a better husband and father. <clears throat> but once yeah. I won some money, it's yeah. like, you know, like I'd end up losing it. And I, I began to realize it wasn't any, it wasn't about the money at all. It was, you know, it just became this adrenaline rush, you know, or, or like this, just the potential, like towards the end, I had lost so much money and almost realized that there was no possible way to, to win it back. And even if I had won it back, I probably would have lost it all. It was just like, just the anticipation of potentially winning or losing. Now, I don't realize that as I'm in it, but like now I'm in recovery and I realize that's what it was the whole time I'm in it. I think I'm just chasing this, this big money win, but, uh, 
thankfully through my one-on-one therapy and recovery. Yeah. It just, that wasn't it. Yeah, I mean, and those are the small wins and mental wins that we we as gamblers need to make. We need to, we, we can't expect it to happen all overnight, but those, this is little realizations. And that's exactly what I chronicled in my book. You know, every time I had that little realization, I'd write it down, just what you're saying, you know, I'd say, God, it's really not about, you know, having enough money because I have enough money. So what is it about? You know, it's, it's just, it's just a repetitive behavior that I'm just doing over and over again. That's really getting me nowhere. You know, uh, it's, you know, I think if I gamble, you know, it's like when people like, at least for me, I can only speak for me when I gambled, it was like jumping on a a 10 story building and expecting to get off at the fifth story, (laughs) fifth floor. You know, and you know, and on my way down, you know, I passed the ninth floor, and the guy say, "How you doing? So far, so good." You know, fifth floor, so far, so good. Second floor, so far, so good. And then, bam, you know, <laughs> on my on my ass. And that's what gambling's like for me. I don't ever want to go back to gambling because I don't want to. I don't want to have to go through that struggle again because I know it's a very powerful thing. It's a powerful thing that goes, and it's not a moral issue. No more than uh, you know, someone you know, an alcoholic. I used to sit on the board of uh, a large uh, recovery uh, clinic here in Florida, and you know, heard so many stories of people recovering, and my heart went out to them because I they had to get through the, the the shame of it, and there is no shame. There is no. It's not a moral thing. It's just like the twelve cents. It's a character deal. It's a character deal. Neuroscience is proving that we have these little chemicals that, that hijack, hijack our brain when we do certain activities. Yeah, absolutely. You stay away from it, right? You stay away from it. Yeah, abstain. And, uh, and you fill it up. You fill it up with other ways to get those chemicals working. Yep, I agree. You know, we have to just abstain at first. You know, just stay away from the activity. Um, 12-step programs or support groups, one-on-one therapy, I find very effective. But then like we've been talking about, we both go to the Y, we both are musicians, you know, there, you write, you know, I, I play all the time. Great, yeah. You got this great blog. I mean, great podcasts. I mean, Jesus, how, you, you, you know, you're providing, I mean, look, you're providing a, a phenomenal service because of your courage and your, um, your openness and that's what more people need to see because there is a lot of shame still involved with it and, and people won't even admit to it. It took me a long time to be able to admit to this, you know, like it was easier this time around with the gambling, but beforehand uh, for many years, I could not admit that I even was a recovering addict, you know, like I, I haven't drank or used drugs in over 13 years, but I almost never would speak about it. Uh, I got caught gambling once in 2018. I just tried to just stop. You know, my wife just caught me and I stopped. But this time around, you know, it it took about six months before I started this podcast. But for me, what I've realized is the more open I am about this, the more transparent I am with my family, my friends, my coworkers, and everyone in general. That's that's what helps me is just to be open about this. Because also it's what helped me a lot when I first started was listening to other podcasts. So I find it important to just be open and share our story so people don't feel alone. That's why it's important for people like you, Mike, to come on and be open and share your story. It's And writing your book, it's important. I mean, otherwise people are going to think they're alone. I thought I was alone in doing the things I was doing. Like when I was a heroin addict, I knew there were other heroin addicts because 
I, I was shooting up next to him. But with this gambling, especially with daily fantasy sports for me, I thought I was the only one doing these things. So uh, I appreciate you saying that. And, and uh, it's important to not only use your recovery tools, your 12-step program, your one-on-one therapy, but like we've been talking about, you got to find those other things in life that bring you joy and happiness. And for Mike and I, it's music um, and other things like the writing and the meditation, whatever it is for, it's going to be different for everyone, but whatever you find joy and happiness in, that's, I think, as important as the recovery tools. Yeah, no, I mean, I, look, I'll just say this, speaking with you directly, uh, publicly, but, you know, I look at you and I say, man, there's a good guy, you know, he's, um, he's humble. He's, uh, he's, uh, he's got a good heart. Uh, he is, um, I, I mean, you, you would be kind of a guy I'd like to hang out with, right? I mean, you're, you're a good guy. You're, 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 you know, you're, 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 um, you have a lot of things to your personality, your character. They're very admirable. And um, there's no reason why you or I, and people say the same thing about me. It's, uh, there's no reason why we should let that, we should cover that up with this other persona of like um, being a gambler right because it's 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 just so narrow it's just it's just so narrow it's so uh, one-dimensional uh we're born on this earth to flourish to love you know three things that i've been going through uh, and i've discovered that mean something to me is that it's the three c's it's uh i i live by creativity i live by curiosity now and i live by compassion and um you know, we're all born, curiosity is a natural trait within human beings. You think of a kid, I mean, he's always exploring things and everything, right? And curiosity is natural. And if you can live by creativity, remain curious and be compassionate, you're halfway home. And, you know, gambling certainly gets in the way of all those things. I mean, you ain't being creative when you're gambling, you're curious when you're gambling. And you ain't being compassionate when you when you're gambling. You know what I mean? You're yeah. sitting there cursing the, the TV <laughs> or the basketball player or whatever. You know, yeah. right? I think you missed that layup. You know, it's, it's an easy layup. And uh, so those things are guiding my life right now. And uh, you know, some of the nicest people I've met are people that have come out of recovery. You know, it's it's like when I get in a, it's like when I get into a. Uh, 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 Uber or uh, 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 was it the other Uber and the Link or was it the yeah, Lyft? Yep. Uh, I can tell you within thirty seconds if that guy or that lady is ex-military. They just have a character, uh, discipline about them, and I can pretty much tell you within thirty seconds if someone's coming out of recovery. <laughs> There's just a certain humility about them, a certain like saying, "Hey, man, I'm done with trying to be king of the world." <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Dan, it was great, man. So good talking with you. Really good talking with you. Yeah. And, um, good. Yeah, I'm really happy to have you on here, Mike. Thank you so much for sharing your story. Is there yeah, anything else? No, um, no um, I, I was going to say that. Um, oh, uh, you know, one of my songs I wrote where was a, was a a song that where I guess I got real with myself. A song called "Fallen," in which you know I'm talking about you know all the ways I failed, you know, and the, and the chorus keeps, says, you know, maybe one day I'll come true as I wrote the song when I was really depressed and down. 
And then I realized at the end of the, at the end of the, at the, at the last verse, I came up with the line, you know, though I've fallen short, blame it on my sins and not on my heart. And um, I think that's what we all got to realize. We, we all basically have a good heart. We just got to find it and, 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 uh, and live it. Agreed. Agreed. And I look forward to hearing that song and reading your book. It sounds like you're a very creative person. And it's been a pleasure speaking with you, Mike. So thank you very much yeah. for coming on here and doing this. And um, hopefully in the future, we can check back in and do an update episode in six months or a year. And, you know, like I said, thank you very much for coming on and sharing your story. Uh, no, thank you, Steve. It's wonderful speaking with you. It's wonderful getting to know you. Thank you very much. And thank you, everybody, for listening. I'll talk to you soon. Be good to yourselves. Here's where to get help. You can call or text 1-800-522-4700. That's the National Council on Problem Gambling. Or you could call 1-800-GAMBLER, 1-800-426-2537. This is where I found... Um, the link to my therapist through my local counselor and then also we cannot forget our affected others my wife goes to Gammonon every week and it's been a huge help to her so anyone in your life who you feel like needs help or you've affected through your gambling you can go to gammonon.org g-a-m-dash-a-n-o-n.org the number is 718-352-1671